0: INSEE Interiors was founded in 2011 by Interiors enthusiast, Christy Withers. The business was born from a surprisingly difficult search for her son, Oscar's first big boy bed. Christy left her role with eBay and using her corporate marketing experience, she launched INSEE Interiors debuting a range of retro style iron beds and cots that are indescribably distinctive. The stylish range has since expanded to encompass around 70 products, and is available across the globe. In fact, one of her most recent customers is Queen of Tennis, Serena Williams. But the road to 10 years in business hasn't been straightforward or smooth sailing. In fact, Christy almost didn't make it past the eight year mark. Christy shares with us what it took to push through that challenge, the key things that have helped NC Interiors experience continual growth, the impact of running a global business on her family and health, and some must-visit places in Millthorpe and Orange in New South Wales. Meet my friend Christy from INSEE Interiors. Hello, Christy, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Uh, Firstly, congratulations on 10 years of INSEE Interiors. I bet there is a myriad of words that you could use to describe the journey. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, there certainly is. Um, it's really weird when you hit 10 years and reflect back. It seems like a lifetime, but also doesn't seem like it's that long at all. So it's it's really weird. It's a bit like child raising, I guess.
0: Yeah, you blink and you miss it. And before you know, they're teenagers.
1: Absolutely. I know. Yeah, we're nearly yeah. teenagers now. We've hit double digits.
0: Oh, it's an exciting time, uh, the teenage hormones. <laughs> yes, I'm just encountering yeah.
1: that with my son. So
0: yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Now, um, for those who may be meeting you for the first time, can you tell us how you came to launch INSEE Interiors?
1: So, um, about so prior to having INSEE, I worked at eBay, do, running their marketing advertising team. I was traveling all over the world, seeing all these beautiful products that were available You know, in the US and the UK. At around the same time, my son was turning two and ready for his first big boy bed and I just couldn't find anything in Australia that I loved um, and so I was just searching everywhere I was trying to buy things off eBay I was trying to import things nothing was working and I just kept talking about it to anyone who'd listened my poor team at work and I'd be in team like in work meetings talking about how hard it was to find a bed in Australia um, and then finally I um, I quit my job at eBay and ended up um, we were on a, a holiday in Fiji and I'm still harping on about this bed and my husband just turned to me and said for God's sake shut up and do it you do it stop talking about it so that's how we started.
0: Uh, that, um, sounds very familiar, the husband just like, <laughs> <Please stop laughs> talking to, about it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> similar to mine, um, with the mag, it, I think he just got tired of hearing it as well and just said, you know, we do it. There's nothing to lose. Just yeah. go and do it. So yeah. some, sometimes you just need that person, isn't it? That I suppose that in-house support that, um, you know, if you did go ahead and do it, there's someone maybe that you can blame said, Hey, it was your idea for me to do this.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I really did need that push. Um, Yeah. And look, he's been my biggest supporter through the Mm. whole um, 10 years. So yeah, we're we're lucky that we have husbands that support us.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Now over those 10 years, can you identify like some one percenters that may have helped you build, you know, a successful business to what it is today? Like, are there things that you've done over time that have really helped you, you know, I suppose, grow and just continue to to get everything working the way it should.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's probably three key things that have really – allowed us to grow and to keep growing. So, number one um, is to not be afraid to hire people. I think lots of small businesses really get scared of that cost and that ongoing, you know, they're really scared of hiring someone and then having that ongoing cost. And I think that as soon as you feel like you're stretched and you need that person, just hire them. You'll be able to afford it. Like you just, you've just got to make the commitment and do it because once it's unbelievable, um, you think, oh, that's going to be a cost, but it's actually a revenue generating um, thing often so just by adding that extra person in you're doubling the amount of work time so that was the first thing and just having an amazing team like that is my number one secret weapon at eBay is my team so they are such an amazing group of people over the years through the whole 10 years you know I just love every single one of them and they've really you know they've I've been quite specific in my recruitment too. So I definitely hire based on um, attitude rather than skill set. So I firmly believe that you can teach anything if you've got the right attitude, but you can have all the experience in the world and a crappy attitude and it's not really ever going to help. So that's my number one. Number two, I think, is my marketing background. So prior to NCU, I obviously had a corporate marketing background, and I really think that, you know, having those the strategic insights and just having that corporate experience of knowing, you know, how to structure things and how to know when to stop doing things, um, I think that was super helpful for us. And being really specific in, we knew who we were um, and who we were targeting and how we were speaking to them, and we've kind we've. We've really kept that same tone of voice over 10 years, which is, it's actually hard to do. Um, it's something that seems really easy, but it's actually really hard to do. And then the third thing um, I would say is just being adaptable, just changing when you need to. So not getting set in your ways. Um, you know, some things you have to just call a disaster and go, wow, that was a colossal waste of time, money, energy. And But let's not dwell on that let's not waste any more of our resources on that and let's just move on. So I think they're kind of the three things that have really um, allowed us to be where we are today.
0: Wow. Um, just that first one about team and, and just hiring that that person, you're so right. It, it's something that holds us back. It's a, such a big step for small business owners. Um, what were those first few hires for you? Like what roles did you fill first?
1: Uh, so my very first hire was, um call, call girl called Sarah and uh, she's an American girl we so I launched so up and um prior to launch, I was really strategic. I had a full 12-month plan. I went to all the different media at the time. So I was going out to Babyology and Mum's Grapevine and My Child magazine. And I went to them all. and I was like, I want to negotiate a 12-month plan and I want bonuses and all of these different things. And they were like, wow, most people just want to go in our newsletter next week. Um, And so I'd negotiated a 12-month plan with all of them, had really nailed our marketing. So when we launched, the day we launched, I thought we were... just launching to the public, I didn't realise that to be honest I didn't even really understand what wholesale was Um, and so the day we launched we were approached by three stockers and I think by the end of that week we probably it was probably 15 so I just a didn't know what I was doing um, and b it was just too much for me to do the wholesale side of the business as well as everything else so my very first hire was Sarah um, and she stayed with me she had two children while she was there um, and she's now a lawyer it's really cool so um, yeah so she she was our first ever hire and that was week one we literally hired someone probably our very first week of training um and then after that it was a uh, it was my brother and sister who joined the team and I rescued my brother from failing university basically he was not <laughs> loving university so I was like come <laughs> oh, work with me and he's still here today um yeah, so he's and my sister, um, she she was hairdressing, wasn't loving it, and so I recruited her to do our marketing, and she stayed here for oh, for probably nine years. So yeah, they my um every single hire I'd though has been really special, um and has brought a different dynamic and different elements to the business.
0: Oh, wow. Lovely that you can recruit in-house, like yes. with your family as well. <laughs> Helps having lots
1: of siblings.
0: <laughs> oh, it must. Um, how do you get your confidence then? Have you had no's like during that startup period? Like it just seems that you were so confident to to go and ask for all these things. Like Where does that confidence come from and, and what happens when you get a no?
1: Look, oh, I get lots of no's. Um, it's certainly not all yes. I just think that... Um, I grew up in a. I grew up in Oberon on a, um, a sheep farm, and with lots of cousins around. And I've got three younger siblings, and you know, just one of those big, crazy families. And so, I think you just have to be confident. I was the youngest, so of the. Um, we're all in kind of different age groups. I've got, I think it's a hundred and. I can't remember the number now. 138 direct, like immediate um, relatives on my dad's side, and they all live around the same area. So it, it was kind of just survival of the fittest. So I think I just had to, um, I had to be able to hold my own and um, be confident enough to put my ID forward. So yeah, I didn't really have a choice. I just had to, <laughs> um, had to do it. But. Look, I've, I've just, I, I guess my family have always, um, you know, been really empowering um, and I just think it can't hurt. Like if you don't ask, you'll never know. So um, I just am a big believer in just putting yourself out there and, you know, you'll never know if you don't ask.
0: Yeah, exactly. The answer is always no. Yeah. Unless you ask, so, well, yeah. that's a
1: worst case. And so what you? the best case is they say yes. Um mm. And, yeah, so, I yeah, I think just facing your fears. I'm not always perfect at it, but I try to just – I often say to the um, team, I'm going to put on my big girl undies and I'm just going to go and do this. So, yeah, just pop your big girl yeah. undies on and give it a go.
0: <laughs> now, <laughs> do you have to go in and pitch to any, like, big organisations?
1: I don't. Not – no. Um, yeah. We now yeah. are really retail-focused, Um so we are really just working on it. We work on a direct-to-consumer model. We do have some stockers who we've had from the very early days, but we uh, we really switched our model. And this is, once again, back to that pivoting. We could see a couple of years ago that there was a change in, the, in how people were shopping um, and people were moving away from, you know, from kind of in-store and moving more online. Um, and thankfully, that's moved back again. Like I think that's mm. the great thing that's come yeah. out of COVID. We have Definitely. swapped back. But, um, yeah, no, we, we really don't have to pitch to big companies, um, thankfully. I did, obviously, in various different corporate careers. I've had to do lots of pitching and presenting. Um, but, yeah, thankfully, I don't do that in my current role, which is quite nice because that's intimidating.
0: Oh, it is, 100%. Now, you actually popped up on my radar a few years ago um, and it was actually when you lost a uh, couple of shipping containers uh, (laughs) that decided that they didn't want to arrive on the uh, shores of Australia. Um, I mean, can you take me through that time? Because um, from what I understand, that was um, a bit of a pivotal moment for you. Oh, absolutely.
1: So 2018 is burnt into my brain. Um, It was, look, we just had... There was like three particular events that happened. Um, So luckily, up until then, INSEE had just grown and we'd kind of had almost a dream run. We hadn't really had anything huge that had impacted us. Um, And so come February, we had a container that arrived full of water and it was a a, um, container of wooden products. So that obviously meant that, you know, three quarters of the container of products was not sellable um and lots of people will the first thing they say is well isn't that insured yes it was insured um the insurance company we dealt with basically wanted us to you know wipe off mold sand back things resell the products um and when I said no we're just not doing that um they were like oh we can sell it it doesn't have to be branded as INSEE um so as an insurance company they just wanted to get as much back as they possibly could um so we had to make the decision then to just go no I, I just stood my ground. I said, no, um, I'm not doing that. Our products are really specific designs. So even if you put them in another box, people are going to know they're insie. And also I just couldn't sleep at night if I knew someone's baby was, you know, sleeping in a product that had been wet and, you know, who knows what kind of bacteria that could grow or anything like that. So um, so we ended up uh, – so that was about $400,000 worth of product and we got $16,000. That happened in Feb and the insurance company eventually settled with us in September for $16,000. So that was a big blow to us and we just started to recover by about June and then a container fell overboard off the coast of Newcastle. So thankfully that was a much easier negotiation with the insurance company. They couldn't, um, you know, drag it out of the ocean and resell it. And then um, the good thing about, so the first one was that we'd kind of, we pre-sell our products. So that container was sold and the next container was also sold of the wooden products. So we had to do mainly refunds for that. And then for the one that fell overboard, we did have stock in our warehouse in Taiwan. So we said, it's okay, we'll ship it and um, we'll, sh- we'll have replacements here within two to three weeks. Everyone was really understanding. And then the ship that had the replacement container broke down in Papua New Guinea for eight weeks the company bled cash like we were just bleeding cash left right and center we we're just doing everything we could to try and keep people happy um, I'm the ultimate people pleaser so that was a really difficult time for me um, and also for Tom so Tom's my brother who was our customer service person at the time I, I do think we both still have probably some PTSD about it um and it was it, both of us just hate disappointing people and it re, and we were disappointing people and that really broke my heart um and I really struggled after that to be honest I took a holiday at the end of the year and I had the most amazing holiday first time ever where I would literally not worked for two weeks and probably the only time in the 10 years that I just shut off for two weeks um and I really needed that and I just came back and I was just like I need to prioritize my family um and, you know, make this work for me instead of me just working for it. So, that um, that led to, you know, some changes for me um, that, you know, kind of personally, just really not allowing Incy to take over my life as much as I had, um, and also just making sure I was prioritising the kids. Um, but then that's that's all well and good until, you know, coronavirus happens and then, you know, you're back in the same, you know, I'm back working as crazy hours as I was, um, you know, back in 2018, but knowing that I, I'm working hard now, but I'm like, no, my deadline is March when things have got to get back into some kind of level of sanity and I've just got to, you know, prioritise my family.
0: Yep. yep. Yeah. They're it's so hard. important, aren't they? Yeah, oh, they there are. There is so much to unpack there. I history. know. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> firstly, um, like as a mum, thank you for standing your ground with the insurance company. I think that's just amazing that um, you push back and that those products didn't end up in our baby's rooms. In terms of those customers, did you lose any, do you think? Um, did that damage the brand? And then what do you do to overcome that? You know, is there any tips to come back from something like that? Look,
1: I think if you're a small business owner listening to this, um, this will be so relevant. I think that, so look, 99% of people were really understanding and, um, you know, really had our back and understood that none of that was, we couldn't have foreseen that, um, any of those things happening. So... 99% of people were amazing unfortunately you do get the 1% of people who are not um, and that's just human nature and unfortunately they're the ones that burn into your brain and they're the ones that you remember so it is really difficult to, um, to like personally kind of bring yourself back from that especially if you are a real people pleaser some people can kind of just let that you know slide and just go oh well That's, you know, they don't like me. Um, Unfortunately, I'm not one of those people. So it really hurt. And, yes, it did hurt our brand. Um, We, not massively, I think, because people knew that we were doing everything we possibly could during that time to to keep people happy so you know we were loaning out different products we were anything we had in the warehouse we were doing as loan products or we were sending out mattresses or you know all sorts of different things just to keep people happy so yes it did impact our brand Um, probably not as much as it would have had we not dealt with things the way we did Uh, by all means we absolutely could have handled it better but I think that we just showed that we were really trying. We were really trying to help people. And um, so I think people buy into that. And I think a, a time of a crisis, how you handle yourself is also you can then win customers for life as a result of that too. So, yes, it definitely those um, three events did damage our brand, but not significantly. Um, and I think it's just all about having the customer at the center of everything you do and just making sure that ultimately you're trying to keep them happy.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, it's Um, that whole communication, making sure that you're always keeping him informed. Transparency is obviously very important. And that little bit of empathy when you, as you said, when you reply back to them, um, just not being on that defensive.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's so funny when um, you're, you know, I would obviously get to the, the customers who were really agro, and so I would, um, I'd have to speak to them on the phone and as soon as you, you know, I think everyone's, is so conditioned that um, everything is going to be hard, that you, as soon as someone calls them, I say, yep, sorry, I'm really sorry we've stuffed that up or you know we should have done better on that as soon as you say that that almost disarms someone and then half the time they will by the end of the phone call be saying oh look you tried really hard and I can see that you're doing your best instead of if you just try to be defensive and argue with people it doesn't get anyone anywhere basically
0: no no definitely not. Now you spoke about business being all consuming, um, and it having an impact, you know, on, on how much time you spend with your family. Uh, did you want to take us sort of deep dive into that a little bit more? Like what impact has running a business of your type had on you and like those around you? (laughs) Wow. question. Okay. Do you want to hear and my, my health? I need to put a <laughs> caveat on this. I have, um, I have Insta stalked in the most <laughs> non-creepy way, Oh god, go <laughs> your personal it. Instagram, <laughs> um, and like, just, you know, read a couple of posts there that, um, yeah, where you highlighted, uh, you know, that it had been a bit of a struggle for you there at some point.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and I try to be really honest about that. um, I think that, you know, Instagram and social media are amazing um, channels, but I do, there is lots of the perfect life on there. And so I try to just, I probably do the opposite. I try not to put too much of a perfect life on there and try to be more real. Um, But yeah, so look, there's, it's had an enormous impact on me personally and also um, on my family, both good and bad. Um, So obviously just having your own business allows you the flexibility to, you know, schedule your own day. So as an example, today, my son's sick. So I'm working from home today. Um, If I worked for another company pre-COVID, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. And it was also his swimming carnival day today. So I was planning on going to that. So the good, you've just got to take the good and the bad with everything so um, the positives of having your own business I feel definitely outweigh the negatives but um, so yeah absolutely running my own show just showing my children um, what it's like to work hard and they are so they're so invested in the business we will go to a you know a hotel and my kids the first thing they do is like check out the bed heads and what it's made out of and they will analyze the furniture my daughter is obsessed with bathrooms and so she'll come out she's like "Mum, you should see the tiles in there they're really cool like she's nine so um it's so the good thing is that it's it's definitely become part of our family life so Insy's just part of our family basically um and then on the flip side obviously working you know, to have a successful business, especially in the current environment, you do have to work really hard at it. Um, And that's a reality. And I've got lots of other friends in business. And I think especially right now, lots of people are really just working hard to survive. Um, It's tough out there. And um, you just, you know, you you just think that you get back on top of one thing and then something else hits and um, it's exhausting. And, yeah, so look, it, it has had a, um, a big impact on me personally. I think that I'm a much, much stronger person than I ever even thought I was. Um, I now know I'm much more resilient, um, but as a, my health has also taken an impact. So I've got, I'm currently in the process of doing all sorts of testing for thyroid and adrenal burnout and, you know, all those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, you've got to take the good with the bad. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I could talk about that for days. Um, and I don't even know where to kind of stop talking about that, to be honest, because it is, it is such a big thing. And I I think it's probably a bigger conversation that people should be having. I know, um, three of my other friends, close friends who I all have businesses, we all have been doing it for, you know, seven to ten years now and um, everyone has kind of got varying levels of different health issues and, look, I just think you can only put your body under so much stress um, before it starts to say, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: yep. That's the thing, isn't it? It's um that constant exhaustion that just hangs over you like yep. a cloud sometimes and, yep. um, you know, it's not something that a long weekend is going to fix either. I think no. That's the thing. People say, oh, it's a long weekend, great, I'll have a break. Yep. It's like, no, you, your body needs a, a full reset. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah,
1: and then also, um, you know, as a result of, you know, you're not feeling at your best, then, you know, I'm snappier with the kids than I would normally be and I'm less patient with all sorts of things. So, you know, it all, it, it starts to impact on all areas of your life.
0: It does. Yeah. I'm not sure what the solution though is, Christy, either oh, though. <laughs> I don't either. I
1: don't Do you know, I just, um I, I actually had a call with my nutritionist, um, I think it was on Monday, and she was like, well, you just need to reduce your stress. And I was like, I know, but surely no matter what I do, there's an element of stress. Like I think we just have to manage stress and just know um, how much we can take on and how much we can't. So it's just about trying to manage that and juggle it. Like everything else, it's just about juggling how much you can and can't withhold. And different people have different levels.
0: They do. And I think that's important as well, to not look at someone else and say, well, you know, they're doing this, this and this. I'm only doing, you know, A, B and C. But the thing is, as you said, we've all got different levels. We've all got other things going on in the background. Um, Yeah, that, you know, we need to pay attention to apart from our businesses.
1: Absolutely. I think, look, that's a good thing to come out of COVID. I think lots and lots of, um, it has had allowed basically the whole world to just reprioritize. And understand what matters.
0: Yeah. Speaking of COVID, <laughs> uh, a filthy dirty word for me uh, this week for the last five days. Um, the impact of COVID on your business, uh, what did that look like and and compared to, you know, 2018?
1: So look, to be honest, if you'd have asked me in 2020, the impact of COVID on my business, I would have said that it was, um, You know, neutral or potentially slightly positive. Uh, So, we definitely had an increase in sales because we're online and it's a home based, you know, product. Um, We definitely saw a spike in sales. Uh, We probably didn't have the stock levels to fulfill on those sales that um, were coming through. So, that has meant longer pre order times for people, which has started to frustrate people. Um, And so, and given how long it takes for us to, produce our product so it's 90 days from the time they start till it leaves a factory and then normally it's like two to three weeks on the water and now it's like with the current environment it's anywhere up to two months so we're looking at five months now between placing an order and receiving the product so, at any one time, we kind of have, you know, 12 to 14 containers in either at the start of production, you know, nearly finished on the water or arriving at the warehouse. So, that has actually meant that it's been really difficult. It's kind of all just hit basically this year. So I think people have kind of – our timeframes are now too long for lots of people to wait. Um, so at the moment, some of our – so some of our factories have fared better than others. So our metal, our velvet and our mattress factory have been pretty okay. Um, so we're, we're looking – you know, we're, we're shipping out of March now for those products. But our wooden products, which is all of our um, cots and – change tables and baby furniture basically that at the moment I think we're selling out of end of April for some products and even end of May for others so it has really impacted on our production and our production time frames by March we'll be back fully on track for um, you know metal Velvet and um, upholstery, but we won't be back on track for wood until at least May. So it's um, it's been a long road, and it's been really the things that we just didn't anticipate were the the shipping delays and the raw material shortages. Because we manufacture in um, Vietnam, Taiwan, and Malaysia, all countries that have been really minimally impacted by COVID, we thought, yeah, we've survived this. This is great, um, but. Then there's been all the – so basically the wolves in Sydney went on strike and it has had this knock-on effect like you would never believe. Um, So we had one container that took over two months to get to us um, and it ended up being delivered to Perth and we had to rail it over. It's just because the port there was so much congestion at the Sydney ports that it had to be delivered elsewhere and then actually railed across the country to us. So, yeah, there's lots of um, lots of things you just can never anticipate or uh, even plan for. So, yeah, it's um, 2020 was okay for us. Um, we really knuckled down and reprioritized, and um, you know, felt like we fared. Covid okay, but 2021 is um, proving to be just logistically harder.
0: Mm, yeah, and I suppose it's it's hard because you're only dealing really with a nine month timeline. Yes, for for most of your customers, you know, if we're talking a cot, um, generally you'd like that sort of set up. You know, in those last few weeks of your you know third trimester sort of of thing and you know even then you might be able to buffer it out for yeah maybe a month when you get home but um yeah we're dealing with timelines that we can't really move with can we that's exactly
1: right and and look we we understand that um and yeah it's just the the ones that kind of threw a curveball to us were the ones that we were like yeah great it's left the factory that's half that's you know That was the big battle last year was just making sure they had the raw materials to have it produced and then leave the factory. But we just didn't anticipate the two month on the water timings that, you know, normally take two to three weeks. That really um, has blown out our timings. And obviously now when we're saying end of May, we're working to, you know, we've we've put that buffer back in again. So, um, yeah, because we did get a little burnt, unfortunately. And, you know, and once again, we have disappointed some customers by having to, by not being able to deliver when we thought we were going to get the product.
0: And I know it's hard to accept, but it is outside of your hands. Like there isn't, unfortunately, and I think you can do either, is there, it's just the way of the world at the moment, and um, we're very impatient people.
1: (laughs) Do you know what, I feel like last year everyone, and this is really, it's funny, it's talking to lots of other business owners, this seems to be the, the vibe, is that everyone was really patient in 2020, we all just went, okay, this is, you know, this is what's happening, that's unfortunate, whereas it's almost like our patience ended at the end of 2020, and now we're like, okay, you know, even, With the the lockdowns, and you see people are just, you know, like the gyms just go, oh, well, I did it last year. I'm not going to shut down again this year. I'm just going to keep opening.
0: 100%. I um I feel that as well. It's like, yeah, I it's it's really hard. Yeah, very, very it hard. is. I suppose if I go back to being a creepy stalker on your Instagram, um, something else that I really noticed is that you love working with the small business community, uh, even though you are a million dollar business. Um, I, which I think is just beautiful that you haven't forgotten us. Um, and that you you know you're a speaker at events, um, you mentor. Or you you do so much, like you actually reach back and pull others along. Uh, is there something that drives you to do that?
1: Do you know what that is? Um, so when I I sit down and think about okay, what could post NC life be like, or what could um, what do I really want out of life? Do you know what my number one thing that always comes up, and that is mentoring you know, small businesses. I just really, really, it's just something I really love. Um, I love nothing more than those early days of a business and, you know, all that excitement and nervousness and uncertainty. And I just love, um, and I love helping people with that. Um, And I don't know what, what I, in particular, I love about it. I think I just love the, the energy and, um, you know, just the possibility as well. So, there's nothing in particular driving me other than it's just something I feel really passionate about. And I just, I genuinely get back from it as much as I give. So I do kind of, I don't officially mentor anyone anymore. I did have a couple of of years ago, but I have kind of four or five people who I, you know, chat to once every month or six weeks who just, you know, kind of give me an insight into their business and allow me to, you know, give them some ideas or some feedback. And I just love those calls. They're what inspire me and they're what give me the drive to keep going. Um, So selfishly, I I probably get as much out of it as I give back. So, or more even, because that's what excites me about thinking back to, you know, 10 years is a long time to be doing the same thing. And so you do need to be, you know, doing different things to keep yourself inspired and interested. So that's, they're the things I love. I love hearing about other people's business ideas and, you know, different ways to structure things. And that's my ultimate thing to do. So yeah, it's it's probably just a selfish thing really, rather
0: than, um but yeah, I really love it. Well, it's generously selfish, um, <laughs> very much so. Um, if you weren't doing in C, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: I do think that that's what I would do. I would love to just mentor um, small businesses and just, and it's something that um, kind of at middle of last year when I was reprioritizing and thinking, um, I've just. Bought on a general manager to help run the business, so that I can take a bit of a step back and obviously spend a bit bit more time with the kids and just do something, you know, for me. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. That's what I love and that's what interests me. So, yeah, that's at if I had all the money in the world and all the time in the world, I, that's what I would just do. I would just, you know, give advice to business people if they wanted it.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. Well, I can't wait for life post-incident. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, take all your knowledge and, um, yeah, and help uh, help others along. Now, you live in Orange, yes. New South Wales. Yep. Um, we've had Pip from Jumbled mm-hmm. on the podcast from that region, but I'd love you to tell us a bit about the wonderful region you live in um, and, you know, maybe shout out a business or two and why it's possible to run a business from the bush. So I grew
1: up in the I grew up in the Central West, so I grew up in Oberon, um, and went to school and university in Bathurst. Then we moved to Sydney for a, uh, for probably 12 or 13 years and then moved back. So we've been back here for 8 years and living around Millthorpe and Orange. So we live kind of in between Millthorpe and Orange, which is Millthorpe's is super super cute little town. Um which has, I think it's got about 800 people, but has a hatted restaurant, um, you know, two different um, cellar doors, just amazing little cafes and providors and cute little boutique shops. Um, So I really have an affinity for the whole of the Central West. So I just love this whole region um, and it's what's home to me. And what I really love about it is the community and especially, um, I have to say, the the Orange community is a really special community, especially the business community. Orange is really, um, I feel like it's really kind of accelerated over the last couple of years and I work in a co-working space in Orange called The Hive and there's a whole heap of other different businesses there and there's just such an entrepreneurial spirit about Orange. It's, it almost feels a little bit like LA where everyone's kind of got their own little side hustle. Even if you are working for someone, you've got a little side hustle on the side of, you know, might be floristry or, you know, all sorts of different cool little businesses. So I just absolutely love this area and I feel so passionate about it. And, you know, Orange in particular has just the most amazing food and wine and, you know, it's it's on par with any major capital city, and and that that's what's interesting is when when we left Sydney, that's what I missed the most was just going out for beautiful dinners and you know meeting someone at a cafe or you know at a real you know a trendy cool cafe. But honestly, it's as good here as it is in Sydney now. So I there's really nothing to miss. Um, and in terms of running a business from uh, regionally I actually think it's it's a benefit because life's easier regionally like I don't have hour and a half commutes on trains or buses or anything like that. I literally drop my kids off at the bus stop and then I in ten minutes I'm at work. And so as a result and I, you know, it's easy to park. I so my life is so much easier being out here. So I just see it as a benefit. And look, I think that COVID has shown us all that we can really work from anywhere and that technology allows us to run a business or a company or anything really from any location.
0: Yeah, and why not choose regional and rural? I mean, it's absolutely. Just stunning. Why wouldn't absolutely you? Stunning. Like, honestly, yep.
1: why wouldn't you? Oh, and sorry to answer your question about yep. um callouts and businesses, the list is endless. So, there's actually a blog on um on the NC website that I've cuz people honestly ask me, I probably get asked that once a week. Like I'm coming up to Orange for the weekend, where should I go? So there is so many amazing places. So my favourites, so in terms of food, um, you could do breakfast at Groundstone or Birdie. They're my two go-tos. In terms of coffee, I'm so lucky where I'm located. We have Good Eddie um, and then we have uh, Mad Hatter's around the corner and oh my Uh, and Nimrods. They're my three that I, we have so many good cafes literally within a, you know, one minute walk that I have to mix it up. I, I feel bad about just supporting one of them because all of them are great. Um, yeah. And then in terms of restaurants, Mr Limbs, Avito, I love both of those. Um, Union Bank, um, Chard is amazing. Tonic, which is the one in Millthorpe, is just incredible. Uh, in terms of vineyards, there's Philip Shaw, um, Heifer Station, Burredale, Um, Ross Hill. Honestly, the the list of places that you can see is endless in terms of shopping of course there's jumbled it's the ultimate um but then there's also uh the white place there's hawk's general store um there's Sint. Oh, there's so many amazing, different little things that you can do. Like you could really. I actually had a friend come here and stay for a week, and she said she didn't stay for long enough. She she ran out of time to do all the things she wanted to do. So yeah, it's a really really special. And then you, even just the broader regions, you can expand out to Millthorpe and Karkor. Like Karkor is the cutest little town. It's it's called the ta- the town that time forgot, and it really is like stepping back a century. Um, yeah, it's really special. It's a really beautiful area. Obviously, as you can tell how I'm speaking, I feel so passionate
0: about it. (laughs) (laughs) I will have to have a look at that blog post then. Um, Look, I've said it a hundred times now, Um, you know, just desperate to come to Orange. Um, I did see that Pip had put something up about the huddle, Uh, might be back in some Way or yes. form this year, so yeah. that is on my must-to-do list. Um, it was so much fun last year. You definitely have border. to come. <laughs> oh, I know I missed out. That was the worst. <laughs> thing. It's just like, oh god, it looks amazing. Um, now, finally, before I let you go, can you tell me about a friend that you have that we all need to know about?
1: So, I have. I I really had two people who got me through the last twelve months, um, and really, they're both business women. So one of them um, is Beck from Mian & Co. She's based in Geelong and she really, so we just have, you know, I don't know, probably bi-weekly calls just as a check-in with each other and just making sure that we're both okay, giving each other business advice. Um, And then the other one is my friend Nadine and she's from a company called, she has One Fine Collective, which is One Fine Baby and One Fine Day and One Fine Bridal market and that we talk basically daily and the two of those women are just the most that they're just such superstars such you know such legends who will just give their time and energy and I really they they know my whole life inside and out and I can just ring them and say I could literally send them a text and say I've got this, what should I do? And they will just be there whenever I need them and they are just such incredible businesswomen but also they're just such great friends to me personally um, and have really got me through the last 12 months and, you know, I feel like I've got them through as well. So go and check them out. They, Mian and Co, do the most beautiful children's clothing and toys and now they also do women's clothing and um, then look at One Fine Baby and One Fine Day both amazing businesses with amazing women running them.
0: What an amazing support crew that you have there.
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky.
0: Well, Christy, thank you so much for your time today. Um, of course, I've got a list of notes to the side of me. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I do wish that um, maybe I could have my time over and uh, redo a, a nursery. It would be lovely. Um, <laughs> just always inspired by what you have. But, hey, maybe I just need one of those fabulous um, rockers, those chairs that you have. Just Absolutely. Room, so.
1: Well, we go yeah. all the way up to teens, so you can always redo a bedroom.
0: Oh, I don't want to spoil them that much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me.
0: You are so welcome. Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions we'd like to celebrate a win, you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at oakmagazineau. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.